0: You're listening to the podcast from Emmanuel Community Church. For more information, go to emmanuelcc.co.uk.
1: Great, we're going to be looking at Daniel 12 today. If you've got a Bible in the front of your chair, it's on page 899. And Mark is going to come and read that for us now. 899, thanks. Thanks.
0: At that time, Michael, the great prince who protects your people, will arise. There will be a time of distress, such as not happened from the beginning of nations until then. But at that time, your people, everyone whose name is found written in the book, will be delivered. Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens, and those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. But you, Daniel, roll up and seal the words of the scroll until the time of the end. Many will go here and there to increase knowledge. Then I, Daniel, looked, and there before me stood two others, one on this bank of the river and one on the opposite bank. One of them said to the man clothed in linen, who was above the waters of the river, How long will it be before these astonishing things are fulfilled? The man clothed in linen, who was above the waters of the river, lifted his right hand and his left hand towards heaven. Then I heard him swear by him who lives forever, saying, It will be for a time, times and half a time. When the power of the holy people has been finally broken, all these things will be completed. I heard, but I did not understand. So I asked, my Lord, what will the outcome of all this be? He replied, go your way, Daniel, because the words are rolled up and sealed until the time of the end. Many will be purified, made spotless and refined, but the wicked will continue to be wicked. None of the wicked will understand, but those who are wise will understand. From the time that the daily sacrifice is abolished and the abomination that causes desolation is set up, there will be 1,290 days. Blessed is the one who waits for and reaches the end of the 1,335 days. As for you, go your way till the end. You will rest, and then at the end of the day's you will rise to receive your allotted inheritance. Thanks, Mark. If
1: you've got that Bible passage open, it would be really helpful. So one of the biggest disappointments of my life was watching the first Lord of the Rings films, uh, The Fellowship of the Ring. The film itself wasn't too bad. I'd got my head around, you know, Hobbits, They're wizards, dwarfs and elves. Now at this point you might be thinking, what's he talking about? Or you might be really excited because you habitually watch those films. Anyway, why was I so disappointed? Because I didn't know about the other two books. So when the first film finishes and they're drifting off down the river, I'm feeling really disappointed because I didn't know there was more to come. If I would have known there were two more films to come, I would have been better prepared in the present. Now this knowing what is to come to help with the present can be seen in all areas of life. We constantly tell our children, don't we, what's going to happen in order for them to do what we want in the present. So if you don't stop drawing on those walls, you're going to etc. etc. We go to the doctors and they tell us what is going to happen To either comfort us, you will get better, or to motivate us. If you keep eating that food or smoking those things or drinking those things, it's going to affect your health. And normally, we make changes as a result of what the doctor says. One of the best pieces of advice I ever got was when I was struggling to revise for my GCSEs. And you might think, were you even planning to revise in the first place. But anyway, a guy who was five years older than me and someone I looked up to, he said, think of the day when you get your exam results. Do you want that day to be a day of celebration or a day of regret? So knowing what was to come, either celebration or regret, acted as a motivation to revise at that time. So the Bible, it wants us to know what is to come so we can make sense. Of the presence. The Bible wants us to know what is to come so we can get ourselves ready. The Bible wants us to know what is to come so we can be comforted now or motivated. The Bible wants us to know what is to come so we can decide whether we want a day of celebration or a day of regret. Now the fancy word for end times is eschatology. Esca means last and ology means study of. So it just basically means the study of the last days. And while it's important to know what is to come, it's just as important to apply this into the present. So this morning we're going to look at two questions. What is going to happen at the end times? And how does this help us in the present? So that's where we're going. Why don't we pray because we're going to need a bit of help with this today. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We want to admit that some parts of it are hard to understand. And yet we know that by your spirit, you can help us to see the glory of Jesus in all passages. We pray you'd help us to do that today and help us to go out uh, better prepared to face uh, what comes before us this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if this is your first time with us, welcome. My name's Chris. I'm the evangelist here. We are wrapping up our study in the book of Daniel. We're in Daniel chapter 12 today. And the book of Daniel is a little bit like Rachel from Friends' traditional English trifle, if anyone ever remembers that episode. That is, there's bits of Daniel which are really familiar, like the lion's den, the fiery furnace, like Rachel's trifle had cream, custard and jam. But there's parts of Daniel that we think, I'm not sure that's supposed to be there. A bit like the mincemeat, peas and carrots in Rachel's trifle. Now in Daniel 12, there's a little bit of both. So you might be familiar with the vision of eternal life that Daniel has. This is one of the few passages in the Old Testament that talks about uh, eternal life. What happens after we die. But you might not be sure about this passage because again it's got some numbers in there. and, And we might be confused about what's going on. But Daniel 12 is actually the end of a single vision Daniel has had, and it started in chapter 10. In chapter 10, Daniel's vision is of the assurance of God's love. In chapter 11, as Jamie spoke about last week, the vision is one of these empires fallen and rising. And then today, the vision is about the end times. So let's dig in and have a little look. So question one, what's going to happen At the end times. Well, we're going to think about it in three Ds. So the end times is going to be a time of distress. It's going to be a time where we learn a destination. And it's about being determined. So what do I mean by this? Well, have a look at uh, chapter 12, verse 1. The end times will be a period of distress. It says, chapter 12, verse 1. At that time, Michael, the great prince who protects people, will arise. There will be a time of distress such as not happened from the beginning of nations until then. Now there was, around the end of the 19th century, a belief that God was irrelevant because society had advanced in terms of technology, education and healthcare. Society was showing no need for God because it was able to fix the brokenness of the world through their own reason and progress. And then in 1914, World War One happened. And the horror of this war shattered the Enlightenment belief that progress and reason could solve all our problems. Now we live 100 years after the end of the Great War, and despite our own progress and reason, the world is still a broken place. And yet we don't expect it to be broken. We expect to get fuel when we want it. And if we don't, we might pull a knife on you. We expect our politicians to lock down earlier, to provide more HGV drivers and to save Christmas. We expect to see doctors at a time convenient for us. But our expectations don't match what we know about the world or what is to come. This world is a broken place and it's only going to get worse. You see, there's a, as Christians, there's a big misunderstanding about this. We believe the end is going to come after gradual after the gradual Christianization of the world. We think the end will come when all the wicked people will be broken. But have a look at the end of verse 7. Look at what verse 7 tells us. It says when the power of the holy people has been finally broken, all these things will be completed. So the sign that the end is near is not the final fury of the world's brokenness. Rather, it's the final breaking of God's holy people's strength. It's a time of great distress. I don't know if anyone remembers the Dereem song, Things Will Only Get Better. I won't sing it for you. But that's not the Bible's message. False prophets who proclaim that you can live your best life now, that's not what the Bible teaches And I know the idea of brokenness and distress all sounds very bleak. But potentially there's something beautiful to look forward to. And that leads to our next D. The end times will lead to our eternal destination. Let's pick it up at the end of verse 1. So he's just talked about a time of great distress. But it says, at that time your people, everyone whose name is found written in the book, will be delivered. Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, <clears throat> some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who are wise will shine like the brightness of heavens, and those who have led many to righteousness will let like stars forever and ever. See, this is the thing. All people from all history in all places have an eternal destination Verse 3 couldn't be much clearer, could it? It's either everlasting life or shame and everlasting contempt. Jesus, in the New Testament, who talks about eternity more than anyone else, he will say it's either heaven or hell. There is no in between. Those who have died first will be raised, and then the rest of Jesus' followers, those whose name is in the book of life, will rise to be with Jesus and experience the wonders of heaven with him. This is brought to home in the New Testament. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 16 says this, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Now, I don't know if you're like this, but I know some people who spend hours planning, hours, 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 hours planning where they're going to go on holiday. They look at flight times, they look at uh, hotel rooms, they look at the type of food and the beers that are served there. They look at whether the hotels are kid-free hotels, because why would you want those pesty little ones biting your ankles? Or those of us with kids look at hotels that have basically got all-day entertainment for the kids so you can send them off and have some space and quietness. There's people who will read Lonely Planet, Rough Guides... And there's people who will be familiar with all the reviews on TripAdvisor too. The care and time taken for our holiday destination is considerable. But friends, how much more time, care and planning should be put into our eternal destination? After all, holidays are great, aren't they? They last a week, ten days, two weeks. But surely eternity can't be something we're indifferent or apathetic about. The choice is clear. It's everlasting life or it's everlasting contempt. It's heaven or it's hell. Do you know which destination you're going to? That leads to our third point. The end times will be a period determined by God. Now here's one of those tricky parts in Daniel where we're told about numbers. Now, I've never been good at maths. I can't count the amount of times I've failed my tests. Okay, now It's a slow burner. Okay, no worries. Let's have a look at verses 5 to 7 to see what we learn here. In verse 5 it says, Then I, Daniel, looked, and there before me stood two others... One on this bank of the river and one on the opposite bank. One of them said to the man clothed in linen, who was above the waters of the river, how long will it be before these astonishing things are fulfilled? The man clothed in linen, linen rather, who was above the waters of the river, lifted his right hand and his left towards heaven, and I heard them swear by him who lives forever, saying, it will be for a time, times and a half now the commentators say that time, times and half a time is referring to a period of three and a half years. So this is the period of great distress in which the power of God's people will be broken. If you're like me and, and don't greatly understand this, well you're in the company of Daniel too. Because look what he says at the start of verse 8. I heard, but I didn't understand. I love that honesty, don't you? Then the man, clothed in linen, tries to be more helpful and gives Daniel a bit more detail. Just flick down to verses 11 and 12, or over to 11 and 12. Because this man then says to Daniel, 11 and 12, From the time that the daily sacrifice is abolished and the abomination that causes desolation is set up, there will be 1,290 days. Blessed is the one who waits for and reaches the end, Of 1,335 days. Now if you want more detail about these events, what they're talking about, then have a read of Revelation 11 and 12 a little bit later. But what's really important for us is this. This period of judgment is determined by God down to the very day. There's nothing in this world right now or to come that takes God by surprise. God's not in heaven thinking, oh no, that wasn't supposed to happen. I need to rethink my plan for the last days. No, no, no. All time, past, present and future is in his hands. Now, so far this passage has revealed that the end times will be one of distress, leading to our eternal destination and all of this has been determined by God. And you might be thinking, okay, that's, the, okay, theory, it's theoretical, let's bring it down into the present. And what we have to do for our, we have to answer our second question. How does all of this help with the present? Now, if you've heard me speak before, you'll know that I love alliteration. Okay, I love it. Love it. it just helps me personally in preparing things to remember stuff. So if we had the three D's, we now get to the three S's. So how does this help in the present? It helps with sanctification. It helps as we look at our Saviour. And it helps because God is sovereign. So let's think about this. The end times will be a period of distress which God will use to sanctify us. And the word sanctification just means to be made like Jesus in his image. So you'll know, don't you, that being a Christian is easy when circumstances in life are going well. It's easy to praise the Lord when times are good. However, our faith is proved genuine when life is hard and our circumstances are bleak. It's when we cry out, praise the Lord and God is good in these dark times, that we're actually saying that Jesus is enough for us. And as Christians, we know that the world is broken. We live in a fallen world where cancer spreads, where... Children suffer where COVID kills. We sin on us and are sinned against. Marriages fail, friendships end, people fight over fuel. And as Christians, we believe that the things that happen in our life are not by random chance or fate, but they are circumstances given to us by our heavenly Father. Who uses these trials, these times of distress, to sanctify us, to become more like Jesus. Now God allows us to go through these things because he is good. When Cole was 18 months old, he broke his clavicle in the Czech Republic. Now the Czech Republic is a lovely place to be, except when you have to meet a Czech nurse. Now, fair enough, I was a typical Brit abroad. I never bothered to learn the the language of the country I was living in at the time, so I can understand why she was frustrated, but she honestly did remind me of Miss Trunchbull from Matilda. (laughs) Anyway, Cole has broken his clavicle, and he needs an x-ray. I had to put on this lead apron and go in for the x-ray with Cole, and as you can imagine... I was told to hold him down. He needs to be still in order for this x-ray to to be a good one. Uh, And as you can imagine, an 18-month-old child in pain doesn't listen to reason and finds it difficult to lie still. So what what does Dad have to do? Dad has to apply pressure on him in order to keep him still. And I still now can see his face looking at me, kind of asking, Why are you making me cry, Dad? I was making him cry because I knew that was the best thing for him. And God allows us to go through these trials because he's our loving heavenly father who knows what's best for his children. This is true in the end times. In verse 10, it talks about this. Many will be purified, made spotless and refined. That's what God is doing all the time. He's refining us. He's purifying us. He's doing it at the end times, but it's also true today. What's one of the most famous verses you see on coffee cups or bookmarks? And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. In all things, in all things, God works for good. How on earth does that happen? It happens because verse 29 tells us that all of these things... God is using us to conform us into the image of his son. So can you see what's happening? In those trials, in those times of distress, God is sanctifying us. He is making us more like Christ. We know also from experience that during trials and distress, we experience more of God's grace in our lives. In 2 Corinthians 12 verse 9 Paul tells us what Jesus told him as Paul himself was going through a time of distress. Remember what Jesus said, he says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Weakness. To which Paul responds, therefore I will boast, boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses. I don't know about you, but it, but it's not. It's countercultural. It's counterintuitive, isn't it? We want to boast in our strength. Where Paul's saying, actually boast in your weaknesses. Why? Because his grace is sufficient for you. As you go through trials, as you go through distress, Jesus makes himself known to you in a more real and intimate way. I don't want to sound like a broken record, but, you know, obviously I've talked about this before. Last year when I was going through I had depression, uh, about three or four months later, somebody else we knew had depression as well. And she, she phoned me up and we were able to have a chat. Um, and I remember saying this to her, look, don't be too quick to move out of it. And that sounds bizarre to say that because why on earth would you want to be like that? But what I was trying to say is as you are in that depression as you are in that state of distress there's something about your relationship with Jesus that you don't have in normal times and it's probably because in that time of distress everything else is stripped away from you so the normal things that you look to to get you through this are gone so you do lean more on the Lord Jesus friends there's nowhere better to be leaning than on the Lord Jesus it's a wonderful place. So as these times of distress and these times of trials are coming upon us, we rejoice, we boast. Why? Because we are becoming more like Christ. And we boast. Why? Because we are experiencing more of Christ in these times too. So what about what else do we learn about the present? Well, the second thing we learn is the end times will lead to our eternal destination. So I need to fix my eyes on my Savior, Jesus Christ. We've already mentioned, haven't we, that reason and progress do not fix the brokenness of the world. The brokenness can only be fixed by the one who was broken and fixed himself. On the cross, we know that our sin and brokenness is taken on Jesus' body. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was beaten for our iniquities. When Jesus rose three days later, it showed that the ultimate brokenness of death could not hold him. Jesus Christ went into the depths of darkness and came out glorious. And church, that's what will happen to us. We will go down into the depths of deep distress and darkness. And yet we will rise in glorious light. You see, at the end of these 1,335 days, we will stand in front of Jesus. That's what we learnt in Daniel 7, didn't we, where we saw the, the ancients of days give all power and authority to the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven. It's only, friends, if we've repented on our, in our sin, or repented of our sin, it's only if we've trusted that Jesus Christ took the punishment for our sin. That Jesus Christ gives us forgiveness for our sin. That Jesus Christ was raised after three days to give us eternal life. That we will not face everlasting contempt. Can I ask you, have you done this? What's stopping you now today, calling out to Jesus? Jesus, I know what I deserve. I know it's only by your death and resurrection that I can be saved. I want this to happen. I want my name to be in the book of life. What's stopping you today doing that? And if you are a Christian, praise God. But let me ask you this. Are you still fixing your eyes on Jesus? Remember, the most important day of your Christian life is your last day. On your last day, will you still be looking to Jesus as your Lord and Saviour? Those who don't trust in Jesus, those who abandon the faith, will face shame and everlasting destruction. There is no no middle ground. It's either utter darkness or bright, glorious light. And Christians know this, we do not suffer without hope. We get through the difficulties, the discouragement, the distress, because we know that one day... God's face will shine on us with the same warmth and love that he has for his own son Jesus isn't that a wonderful picture that one day God's face will shine on us with warmth and love that he has for his own son Jesus don't you want that day I know I do And friends, we have, to, we have to gaze, we have to think about that, we have to look at our eternal inheritance. Because this life is hard, this life is broken, there will be times of great distress and yet if we gaze upon him who is in heaven waiting for us, it will strengthen our weak knees, it will encourage our failing arms for the battles that still before us you see knowing what is to come means we have to run to Jesus for salvation only Jesus can save us from everlasting contempt and knowing what is to come helps us to persevere in the present and have hope that one day all this brokenness will be fixed now we come to our last S which I forgot to put on there we go how does God help us in the present we're going to finish with this the end times will be a period sovereignly sovereignly, innate, sovereignly determined by God So be ready by living for Him today. Now, I don't know if you've ever been to Buckingham Palace. Anyone? Hands up if you've ever been to Buckingham Palace. A few people have been to Buckingham Palace. Great. Well done. I don't think I'm ever going to get invited to Buckingham Palace, if I'm being honest. But if I did, if I did, I wouldn't turn up in my shorts. Uh, I'd probably put a suit on. I'd get a haircut. I'd probably tidy up my beard, maybe even be clean-shaven for uh, Queen Elizabeth. I'd make sure in the run-up to go into Buckingham Palace I didn't get any speed and tickets or parking fines. I'd be extra nice to people in the lead-up just in case they, the Queen randomly phones someone and says, is he a good boy still? <laughs> What's going on? Well, my behaviour is determined by the destination I've been invited to. My behavior is determined by the destination I've been invited to. Church, again I'll finish with this. We've been invited to heaven to enjoy eternity with the great King Jesus and our Heavenly Father. There's nothing we can do to earn this invitation. It is freely given by grace. We accept this invitation by faith in the king who gave his life for us, conquering sin and death on our behalf. Now knowing we've accepted the great invitation of heaven means we now eagerly wait for God to sovereignly determine when we can go. And we wait with our eyes fixed on Jesus. We wait by getting ready. We want to please our great king so we do things that please him. How do we know what pleases Him? We look in His book. We want to get our hearts ready. So we confess our sin and we repent of that sin. We serve the King by telling those around us about this great invitation that they can accept by faith in Christ. And we love those around us by giving them what we have without expecting anything back in return. Church, our behavior should be determined by the destination we've been invited to. Do you know heaven is going to be holy? It's going to be a holy place. That means there's not going to be any sin in heaven. If you don't like living a holy life, you're going to hate heaven. (laughs) Why go there? Because heaven is the ultimate place of holiness. Now, I know from my own life, holiness is constant a battle this being sanctified doesn't come easy we have to enter pain and distress in order to come out more like Christ we need one another in order to move forward to be the people God's called us to be we need to meet together in home groups we need to meet one to one we need to have conversations about Jesus not just talking to non-Christians about Jesus as important as that is our conversations with each other need to be about Jesus. You know, one of the things I, I really admire that Dot's got up and running for the women is this, um, what's it called? Side by side. What was that? Side by side. side by side. Sorry, sorry. I do listen in staff meetings sometimes. Um, but side by side, and that is the ladies in our church have been assigned each other. I believe there's been some swapping in the background, but that doesn't. No, I'm joking, Dot. No swapping. No <laughs> swapping. Is good, uh, but they need to encourage one another to pray for one another and to speak Jesus into one another's life because they know that being holy is really, really important and guys, the challenge is for us okay? we need to be looking out for one another getting alongside one another praying, encouraging, speaking about Jesus to one another to help one another grow Because we are heading to a holy place. So let's make holiness a priority now too. Let me just finish with this verse 13. I think verse 13 is a great one to be going out to. And we'll leave it on the screen. I think this sums up everything I've been trying to say in a muddled and in a legible way. But it's this. As for you, go your way till the end so as for you daniel go your way to the end go and live that life being sanctified as you go you will rest as you fix your eyes on your savior jesus christ and at the end of days your sovereign heavenly father will rise to re- or you will rise to receive your allotted inheritance christian isn't that a wonderful word for you to go out with live for him fix your eyes on him and one day you will be with him let me pray heavenly father we thank you for this difficult text i pray that anything that wasn't helpful you would take away and just make people go away with things that you want to speak to them with right now i ask for anyone who's never trusted in jesus that they would be in this book that they would come to know everlasting life And Father, as we move towards that day, we don't know when it is. It's determined by you that we would find great joy in living for you, knowing that one day we will be with you. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: You have been listening to the podcast from Emmanuel Community Church. To find out more about us, go to emmanuelcc.co.uk